Hi, my name is Pete McCall, and welcome this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. This episode is going to be a quick fit tip to help you understand a little bit more about what really causes your body to adapt to exercise, and that's the hormones, the endocrine system. Before I get into the full the quick fit tip, I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the All About Fitness Podcast. Now, I have a few shout outs to give right now. Number one, I have a big shout out to a friend, Amber. Recently, I did a webinar on, on understanding hormones, and I'm actually going to have a link to that. If you, want, if you like this subject and you want to learn more about it, I did a CEC, and, and for fitness professionals, that's continuing education credit. I did a webinar that goes through, it's a two-hour webinar that goes through hormones and the body's response to exercise, and specifically for the over 40 body. Now, you don't have to be a fitness professional to learn a lot from that. I'm going to have that webinar down below in the show notes. But really, it got me thinking about that, that I wanted to do an episode, a, a quick fit tip about our hormones. I want to say thank you to Amber because Amber joined me for that, that webinar. I also want to say a big thank you to Clara. Clara sent me a very nice message. She listens to the podcast down in Uruguay. Uh, it was really cool to get that message. Uh, send a big thank you to Danielle. Danielle reached out with a question, and hopefully uh, hopefully I was able to answer that. And Jody. Jody also asked a question about training her training her daughter. And I really, it was a lot of fun to, to give you that response. And for anybody, anyone with kids out there, if you want to learn more about structuring a workout program for your teens, look up the book Periodization, Theory and Methodology by Tudor Bampa. Tudor Bampa is Canadian. Periodization is a system of organizing workouts to allow for adaptation and recovery. If you really want to geek out and really understand how to structure workouts, not only for kids, but for yourselves, Pick up Periodization, Theory and Methodology by Tudor Bampa, and it really goes into the science. Tudor writes quite a bit about youth sports and the proper way to structure training and adaptation for youth sports. Another shout-out is to uh, Muhammad. Muhammad sent me a nice note. Uh, Muhammad is an Egyptian who I met when I did a workshop in Oman last year. Uh, to Muhammad and to my friends in the Arab world, I'd like to say a big assalamu alaikum, alaikum. Uh, thank you for listening. I really uh, appreciate that. I've been looking at the numbers, and I do. Um, I am able to see the stats of people downloading the uh, people downloading the podcast. So, to to my Arab and to my my friends uh, of the Muslim faith, a big assalamu alaikum for listening to the podcast. And then I want to say a big thank you to David, Deanna, Carrie, Eunice, and Samuel. I really want to say thank you to the guys. They've recently bought some content from me, and I'm actually going to be doing I'm going to be doing another little webinar here coming up at the end of December. I haven't decided the topic yet, but if you've purchased content from the All About Fitness podcast, that makes you a fan of the podcast, and you will be eligible for content or workouts. I'm trying to do that. I'll probably do it about every other month throughout the course of 2021, put up special content for people who support the podcast. In order to do that, you can buy an ebook. I have a few ebooks for sale for $7. I have functional core training. I have exercise for the fountain of youth, dynamic anatomy. I have workout programs for sale for $20. I have bundles for sale. All that information is down below in the show notes, or you can go to my website, PeteMcCallFitness.com. The website is PeteMcCallFitness.com. If you go there and sign up for the mailing list, I will send you a chapter from my book, Smarter Workouts. And you'll be receiving my emails. I just sent out an email recently with some great information for the holidays and a couple good tidbits and little helpful information. So I'm trying to be regular about that. Now, what I'm going to do for this podcast, I started doing this before COVID, 
And I'm getting back to now that now that Ageless Intensity, my second book is done, I'm getting back to doing more blogging. So what I did and what, what I try to do to kind of let you in a little bit behind the curtain is if I develop content for one thing, I try to use it a couple different ways. So for example, I did that webinar with, with my good friend and colleague, Trisha Murphy Madden. We talked about how hormones affect the over 40 body. That came from my book, Ageless Intensity. And now what I did was I did a blog post about hormones. And it's in my, it's, it's my blog post this month, uh, one of my blog posts this month uh, for Pete McCall Fitness. And what I'm going to do is read you, read you the blog post, and that's going to be the quick fit tip so you understand more about the hormones because hormones are really the, the secret to getting results from exercise. So here we go. Seven hormones responsible for getting results from exercise. That's the title. The secret to getting results from your workouts. As someone who has the privilege of traveling to teach fitness education workshops, I've noticed that in almost every gym I've been in all over the world, I see guys doing many of the same exercises. Chest press, bicep curls, and crunches. I get it. These body parts get a lot of attention because they tend to be most visible. Now, no, because I'm a guy, I'm going to critique the exercise habits of guys. But learning more about which hormones are responsible for producing results can help everybody, literally. So this is very important for women as well. But I'm only critiquing, critiquing male workout habits. I ain't going to go there for, for the other gender. However, those of us who make a living teaching exercise science know a little secret. Focusing on exercises that elevate levels of the hormones responsible for changing the body, as opposed to spending time on exercises that only use a single muscle, is the best way to get results. To get the desired outcomes from your workouts, you should understand the primary hormones responsible for getting results from exercise. More importantly, you should know which exercises can produce the hormones responsible for getting the results you want. Now, certain hormones help build new muscle, while other hormones stimulate fat burning. If you understand what hormones do as well as which ones are released in relation to exercise, then you can identify the best workouts for your goals. The role of hormones. Hormones are chemicals that control cellular functions and are the primary component of the body's endocrine system. Hormones can affect a number of different cellular functions. However, they only influence cells with specific receptor sites. Hormones function on what they call the lock and key. If your body produces a hormone, releases a hormone like testosterone, that hormone is going to circulate in the blood until it finds certain receptor sites in the cells in order for it to produce its function. So that, that's, that's the basic overview, the very basic physiology of how hormones work. So hormones control physiological functions, including energy metabolism, which is how the food we eat is turned into muscle activity, reproductive processes, mood, and overall mental state. And, and that's the truth. Your overall mental state is really dictated by hormones and neurotransmitters. And finally, muscle growth. Hormones are specifically responsible for the process of muscle protein synthesis. That's repairing and growing new muscle tissue. There are three major classifications of hormones, steroid, peptide, and amines. They're modified, amines are modified amino acid hormones. Each one has a unique chemical structure that determines how it interacts with specific receptors. Steroid hormones interact with receptors in the nucleus of a cell. Peptide hormones are comprised of amino acids and work with specific receptor sites on the cell membrane. And amines contain nitrogen and influence the sympathetic nervous system. Your sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight nervous system. When you start exercising, your body does release certain chemicals which elevates your fight or flight. 
Your parasympathetic nervous system is your rest and digest. That's what controls our sleep. That's what Dr. Heller was talking about a few episodes, a few episodes ago. So hormones can either be anabolic, meaning they help build new tissue, or catabolic because they play a role in breaking down tissue. The term anabolic steroids is often referred to as a method of cheating used by athletes who want to improve performance. However, anabolic steroids are simply natural chemicals produced by the body responsible for promoting tissue growth. So endogenous steroids are the ones produced by the body. Exogenous steroids are the ones taken uh, to help support and help uh, elevate and boost the function of the endocrine system. Here we go. Important exercise-related hormones. Listed below are some important hormones involved in exercise along with the physiological functions they control. First, we have insulin. Now, and I know a lot of people do this, but having a sugary snack or drink too close to the start of exercise could increase insulin levels and reduce the amount of fat you'll burn while you sweat. If you have if you have a sugary snack too close before you exercise, you'll elevate insulin, which reduces your ability to burn fat when you exercise. Insulin is a peptide hormone produced by the pancreas and regulates carbohydrate and fat metabolism. When blood sugar is elevated after ingesting carbohydrate, insulin is released to promote the storage and absorption of those carbs. Insulin helps reduce levels of glucose in the blood by promoting its absorption from the bloodstream to skeletal muscles or fat tissues. When it comes to exercise, it is important to know that insulin can cause fat to be stored in adipose tissue instead of being used to fuel muscle activity. As you start exercising, your sympathetic nervous system suppresses the release of insulin. Consequently, it is important to avoid foods with high levels of sugar, and that includes sport drinks, before exercise, because those can elevate insulin levels and promote glycogen storage instead of allowing it to fuel physical activity. Avoid any high-carbohydrate foods or drinks for 45 minutes before you work out, and wait until you have started sweating before using any sports drinks or energy gels once you do start exercising. The next, the, ne- the next hormone is cortisol. Now, to borrow from Sex in the City, we want to consider cortisol as a frenemy, right? Part friend, part enemy, because it can both help and hurt you. Cortisol is a catabolic steroid hormone produced by the adrenal gland in response to stress. It's also produced in response to low blood sugar and exercise. Cortisol supports energy metabolism. Be- cortisol supports energy metabolism during the start of exercise by facilitating the breakdown of free fatty acids to be used for fuel. This is how fasted cardio works for fat burning and why it's important that it be low intensity. Cortisol levels are highest in the morning and exercising at low intensity will ensure that fats are used for fuel before carbs. As soon as you start exercising at a point where you're breathing quickly, that indicates that your body is actually metabolizing carbohydrate because part of the reasons why you breathe quickly is you're expiring CO2, carbon dioxide. And carbon dioxide is a byproduct of carbohydrate metabolism. So if you want to burn fat and you do cardio in the morning, you do fasted cardio in the morning, it's important that it be lower intensity so your body is using the cortisol to metabolize fat and not use carbohydrate. Just a little physiology there. Uh, When moderate to high intensity exercise lasts longer than 45 to 60 minutes, glycogen, which are how carbohydrates are stored in muscle, will deplete, causing the release of cortisol, which will convert amino acids into the glycogen needed to fuel exercise. That's called gluconeogenesis. Cortisol is released when the body experiences too much physical stress or is not sufficiently recovered from a previous workout. 
While cortisol helps promote fat metabolism, exercising for too long can elevate levels of cortisol to catabolize muscle protein for fuel instead of conserving it to be used to repair damaged muscle tissue. The bottom line is if you want to become skinny fat, then do long periods of high-intensity exercise to ensure that you're burning protein for fuel instead of carbohydrate or fat. That just that, that, That's the physiology. Next hormones, well, actually, one's a hormone and one's a neurotransmitter. Epinephrine is a hormone. Norepinephrine is a neurotransmitter. But they're commonly called adrenaline because they're produced by the adrenal gland. Epinephrine is an amine hormone, while nor, norepinephrine is a tr- neurotransmitter. Both work together to play an important role in helping the sympathetic nervous system produce energy and regulate the body's function during cardiorespiratory exercise. Classified as catecholamines, epinephrine elevates cardiac output, it increases blood sugar to help fuel exercise, and promotes the breakdown of glycogen for energy, and it also supports fat metabolism. Norepinephrine performs a number of the same functions as epinephrine, as well as constricting blood vessels in parts of the body not involved in exercise. So what, what, these, two, what these two hormones or this hormone and neurotransmitter do is they, re, they, they dilate, they, they increase the size of blood vessels in your working muscles, and they constrict, they reduce the size of blood vessels in your non-working muscles. In addition, they help release fat and, and sugar or fat and carbohydrate for energy. That's why, and here's the thing about energy drinks, Right. If you have an energy drink, if you have caffeine, and if you want the best, the best energy drink before you work out is just a little bit of black coffee, no sugar, no cream, for the reason mentioned earlier. But if you have an energy drink, if you have caffeine, like later in the day when you're feeling tired, what they will do is they stimulate cortisol and epinephrine to help release energy into the body. So you are getting an energy boost. But if you're not doing any activity, those free fatty those free fatty acids are not being used for fuel. They're going to be redeposited around your abdominal viscera, and, and you're welcome. So just just a little warning there about the use of, of uh, a lot of caffeine or use of a lot of energy drinks. If you are going to use them, you want to be active because they are going to give you energy. If you don't use that energy, it gets redeposited in in your body somewhere else. Next hormone is testosterone. Testosterone is a steroid hormone produced by the Leydig cells of the testes. And that's the thing. Testosterone is produced primarily in males. It's also produced in the ovaries of females with small amounts uh, produced in the, in the adrenal glands of both genders. And, and this is why, just a side note, this is why a lot of women do not have to worry about breaking out of muscles overnight from strength training. Testosterone is produced in the testes. Men produce up to 30 times more testosterone than women and really, that that's just it's just physiologically. A lot of times, if you see women weightlifters out there, and I'm not calling you out, but if you see women weightlifters and bodybuilders out there, and you can tell they have broad shoulders, that their chin is, is kind of square, and their face becomes kind of square, that's an indication that they're taking testosterone. Testosterone is a um, is an androgen, is a male sex hormone. So people who take uh, testosterone will start developing more male sexual characteristics. Just that, that's physiology. Testosterone is responsible for muscle protein resynthesis, the repair of muscle proteins damaged by exercise, and plays a significant role in helping grow new skeletal muscle. Testosterone works with specific receptor sites and is produced in response to exercise that damages muscle proteins. Exercise that involve large amounts of muscle mass, like squats, deadlifts, push presses, barbell bent over rows, kettlebell swings, snatches, and power cleans, can help elevate T, especially when combined with shorter rest intervals. That's what I meant earlier. If you, if you do a full body workout, 
you're going to elevate more T as opposed to just doing muscle isolation workouts. So if you want to boost T, do a full body circuit, do full body strength training, and that can help boost T levels according to the research. And there's research that, that suggests that waiting too long between sets or exercising for too long for more for longer than more than an hour could actually lower testosterone levels. That's why, I mean, that's one of the reasons why CrossFit was so is so effective is you're doing really short, really high-intensity workouts that the, the bulk of the workouts usually about 20 to 30 minutes. You're not going that long, and that can help elevate T levels. Yeah, I have another blog post about T. I have I'm gonna have a link down below in the show notes. And good news for women, women produce much less T than men. Uh, muscle growth in women is much more of a function of human growth hormone and insulin-like growth factors, which takes us to the next hormone. The next hormone is somatotropin or human growth hormone, a.k.a. HGH. HGH is an anabolic, anabolic peptide hormone secreted by the anterior pituitary gland that stimulates cellular growth. So it's a peptide hormone, so it works on the membrane of the cell as opposed to a steroid hormone, which works on the nucleus of the cell. Like all hormones... HGH works with specific receptor sites and can produce a number of responses, including increasing muscle protein synthesis responsible for muscle growth, increasing bone mineralization. So GH, HGH will help your bones become stronger. HGH supports immune system function. Also, HGH helps with fat burning, with fat metabolism. So this is why a lot of women my age, in their 40s, have told me, women I've known that I've worked with, have taken my classes, have told me they've noticed when they start doing more strength training, they burn more fat. Well, that's because women will produce more HGH in response to strength training, and HGH is involved with promoting fat metabolism. So, and here's an important thing. The body produces HGH during stage three of non-REM cycles of sleep, and is stimulated by high-intensity exercise, such as heavy strength training, explosive power training, or HIIT training that, that causes the onset of blood lactate. That's above the second ventilatory threshold. What that means, if you're doing really high-intensity exercise that causes burning in your muscles, you're probably going to get a boost of uh, HGH when you sleep at night. On those days when you do uh, do your harder, more intense workouts, you want to make sure you can get a good night's sleep so your body has the time to produce the anabolic hormones that help your muscles repair themselves. And this is very important. So if, if on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday night, you have big plans out at night, you're going to go to a concert, you're going to go to a party, you're going to be out at night or staying up later than usual, those are not the days to do a harder workout. Again, if you're going to be staying out at, late at night, you're going to be celebrating something, having a couple extra drinks, maybe having some THC, God bless, enjoy, have fun. But those should not be the days of your hardest workouts because you're not going to get a good sleep. You're not going to get effective recovery. Now, if all you're going to do in the evening is watch, watch a movie, do some Netflix, do some Amazon Prime, by all means, kick your butt in the gym because then you can get a good night's sleep and get that recovery. The next hormone is insulin-like growth factor. It's also known as IGF or mechanical growth factor. There's a couple different names. Given the name IGF because it has a similar molecular structure to insulin, this is an important hormone stimulated by the same mechanisms that produce HGH. IGF is another peptide hormone produced in the liver and supports the function of HGH to repair protein damage during exercise making it an important hormone for promoting muscle growth. IGF is released in response to carbohydrates ingested after a workout, which explains why a post-exercise shake or snack can help promote recovery while enhancing muscle growth. The next hormone is brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF. It's actually a protein. Um, I got to change that. 
BDNF is a protein that helps stimulate the production of new cells in the brain. The production of BDNF is closely related to the production of HGH and IGF. The same exercises which elevate levels of those hormones also increase, increase amounts of BDNF. And that's true. I mean, there's a lot of research that shows the same high-intensity exercise that produce the anabolic hormones can also elevate BDNF, which means that your brain is growing new cells and you're improving uh, vascular growth. You're improving more blood flow and oxygen flow into your brain. So exercise can make you smarter despite what the, the common misperception is. This means that the hard workouts responsible for making you sweaty and the good sore can also smarten you up a little bit. I just had some form of the words there. Now, I have a link there to uh, the interview I did with John Medina. Dr. Medina uh, wrote the book Brain Rules and, and Brain Rules for Aging Well. That will be in the blog. The blog will be linked down below in the show notes. And you'll be able to find the interview that way. Going back to the blog. While there are a myriad of hormones responsible for almost an infinite number of physiological functions, the hormones listed above are directly influenced by physical activity and play important roles in helping the body adapt to the imposed physical demands of exercise. Understanding how exercise influences the hormones that control physiological functions can help you identify the best exercises for your goals. Do you want to do fat burning? Do you want to do muscle building? Whatever you want to do. Hormones have both a short and long-term responses to exercise. In the acute phase immediately post-exercise, T, HGH, and IGF are produced to repair damaged muscle tissue. Over the long term, there is an increase in receptor sites and binding proteins, which allow these hormones to be more effective, more effectively used for muscle growth. And that's true. When you start exercise, for the first year or so, the primary adaptations to exercise are neuromuscular. Your body is using more muscle motor units to activate the fibers responsible for force production. But over the long term of an exercise program, for years, you know, two years, three years, and on and on, your body will produce more receptor sites. Now, here's the cool thing. There's a lot of research, and I, I linked to another blog I wrote in the article. There's a lot of research that shows that men in their 60s and 70s can elevate levels of testosterone through heavy strength training. Now, here's an important thing to know about testosterone. If you have belly fat, belly fat produces an enzyme called aromatase. Enzymes break things up in the body. Aromatase will attack testosterone. So aromatase is produced by belly fat. Aromatase will attack testosterone and convert testosterone into estradiol. Estradiol is the female sex hormone which grows breasts. That's why men with a lot of excessive belly fat tend to also have breasts. It's because their body is literally converting the testosterone it does produce into a female sex hormone. So if you do have excess weight, work on burning that weight off first. You need to get rid of that belly fat before you really start hitting the weight. So you can do both together, but just understand that the belly fat will be working against you for long-term muscle growth. So inducing metabolic and mechanical stress in the gym will only go so far in promoting muscle growth. T and HGH are both produced during sleep, meaning that a full night's rest is critical for promoting muscle growth after strength training. Insufficient rest and recovery does not allow for optimal muscle protein synthesis and could lead to an accumulation of energy-producing hormones like epinephrine and cortisol, which can reduce the ability to grow new muscle tissue. Loss of sleep, loss of appetite, lingering illness, and, and loss of gains from exercise are all symptoms of overtraining, which can significantly affect your ability to reach your goals. Like heavy resistance training, HIT stimulates an increased production of the anabolic hormones, T, HGH, and IGF-1, which are responsible for muscle growth and fat metabolism. 
Research, and I quote the research in here or link to the research, indicated that hormonal changes appear to be related to the amount of muscle mass activated and to the metabolic response caused by the exercise. Again, that's why you want to do full body workouts. You want to use more muscle mass. The more muscle mass you evolve in a workout, the more you, the better response you get from your hormones. Likewise, in their research on sprint training, Meckel and colleagues found that to stimulate an anabolic response, input should be efficient and to cause a sizable metabolic effect. Now, mechanical stress is, is the damage to individual muscle fibers or muscle proteins. That's what weightlifting does. Metabolic stress is working to the point of fatigue and depleting glycogen. That's what high-intensity interval training does. So think of weight training as mechanical stress on the body. Hit training is hit training is metabolic stress. Intense exercise produces results. However, to reduce the risk of an overuse injury, it's important to take the time to properly rest and recover between high-intensity workouts. A good schedule will have you doing two to three days of full-body strength or power workouts. That'd be a workout on Monday, maybe a workout on Thursday, and maybe a workout on Saturday, and then doing more moderate workouts in between. But that way, you do two or three high-intensity workouts a week. If you're getting great sleep and great nutrition, do three. If life is happening, you don't get the best sleep, you don't, you don't have the best nutrition, still try to hit the gym hard for two days of really high-intensity strength training. So that's it. I'm going to have a link down blog, a link down to this blog down below. Uh, but I'm going to start doing more of that going into the new year. I'm going to be reading you the blogs that, that I write. And that way, bring that information to you to help you learn how to use exercise to really enhance your quality of life. And, and just understanding how exercise influences hormones plays a critical role with that. With that, if you want to reach out to me, you can reach me, Pete, at PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. As always, thank you for stopping by, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.